Hello and welcome to the Surgical Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Haider Al-Hakim, the Third Eye Doctor. Pull up a chair and get ready for some candid and uncompromising discussion with experts, innovators, agitators, and influential people from every corner of health and well-being. From inside the hospital to at home in the kitchen, we're leaving no stone unturned in our quest to uncover the secrets of healthier, happier, more successful, and less stressful lives. Thank you so much for joining us, and without further ado, let's meet this episode's guest. Hello, Anna. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm so excited to start, you know, chatting and gossiping about all there is. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a sucker for for gossiping, but, you know, with time, I've realized that, you know, it's fun. It's definitely fun. Um, It was really bad. We... we, um, at work we had this um you know interesting manager married you know with a with a boy and then and then he started sort of i don't know what what was happening um with with an administrator and then they'd go out walking and 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 i saw them holding hands and 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 sort of you know getting quite affectionate with each other and i and I did the really bad thing. I started gossiping. I, I, I went back to work and I said, look, look, guess what I saw? And then I sort of blurted it out. And it was great. I mean, it was fun, you know, being there at work and everything and, you know, having this whole uh, lovely drama. Yeah, but it was quite so bad. attracted to drama? It's, it's it so was, funny. Why it was really bad. It, it, I it, know. Was, it was really bad. Uh, and um, sort of... You know, two two weeks down the line, the administrator left. Our manager was clearly quite depressed, and I thought, "Shit, you know." Oh no! Did you cause that? <laughs> I thought, do you know what? I shouldn't have said these things. Oh um, no! So yeah, it's sort of yeah, it sort of brought home this kind of feeling that actually, you know, we should be looking out for each other and not gossiping behind each other's backs and actually that's why before we started the recording that's why I um, left my my current job was because are you um, crazy no it was because there was so much bullying in between the women uh these women the providers and the physicians were just like at each other's throat and just sabotaging trying to sabotage each other and and um no one was managing any of this and I mean it it got really rough and so I was just like you know it's too toxic and I was just like yeah and it wasn't even toward me I mean a little bit toward me they they am I getting this straight you're talking about toxic femininity here toxic femininity yes that's actually reason why I mean that's why I also built my business health is power because you know women really should be lifting each other up instead of tearing each other down. And what I found is as a physician, academic physician in the academic field, that's all I've worked in so far is academic medical centers. And it really seems, well, at least in my experience, women just try and rip each other apart so they can get ahead. So I don't know if it's some competitiveness or egotistical, you know, behavior where the women just try and rip each other apart and tear each other down so that the other person can get ahead um but, so I mean, that's, isn't that a that... form of i mean isn't that a form of uh, masculine 
uh, toxicity, but well, perpetrated true, yes, that's by... yeah, yeah. Sort of the academic. I think view. the academic medical centers promote that. I think they really, really? do. Wow. Um, I think it's a it breeds that type of personality, and and so and I always you know I'm like trying to be friends you know with everyone just the naive you know Anna and I'm just like yeah everyone's wonderful and then here's my back like, here's my behind back their back yeah, behind yeah. their back they're like oh that Anna take my blah, back blah. take my back <laughs> stab me just <laughs> like, just keep like... stabbing me. <laughs> like whoa <laughs> there's too many knives here thank you very much oh shoot so yeah but i totally agree it's like lift let's lift each other up let's take care of one another's humanity there's yeah too much chaos i mean where do you think that you know i mean where do you think that sort of um sprung out from you know this this sort of competitive toxic competitive environment within the academic I, I think it started yeah. in med school. I mean, I think it's really, I mean, we have to get ahead of one another. We have to prove that we can become great doctors. Um, we have to impress our attendings. We have to, um, you know, when we're on the wards and there's several of us, we got to stand out amongst the crowd and get good reviews so we can get, you know, into the residency of choice, into the fellowship of choice. So I think it really starts from the very beginning. Um, it's really a, an oppressive, very oppressive environment in med school. Um, and it, they don't, they don't teach camaraderie uh, or collaboration. I think they're trying to go that route, but they're teaching it in a classroom. Um, so I don't know if it's really working out that interprofessional you know, collaboration education classes that they're doing right now. Um, but yeah, it, I think it starts from the beginning. And, and you know, do, do you think there was a time when we did have this kind of collaborative um, sense? In well, medical school and then sort of in the medical profession, per se. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's history, because I don't know, maybe since mm. we gave up our power as physicians to this system, versus working for ourselves. I don't know what it was like back then. But we, 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 I feel like now as physicians, we're following these guidelines, these algorithms, and what, you know, the industry, the healthcare system wants us to do instead of us thinking, critically thinking, as a physician, based on our knowledge, based on our experience to take care of the patient and personalize it to them versus follow this, you know, mass research guideline that may not work for everyone. So I, I, I just, I wonder if like the thinking is now taking out of medicine and so who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 um, <clears throat> I mean, you know, there is a, um, a toxic femininity side of things in terms of, um, I mean, the masculine side of it is 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 violence and and aggression and and um, uh, physical altercations, whereas the femininity side is more about reputation, dismantling and uh, gossip and innuendo. Uh, and yeah. you know, I mean, I grew up with um, a very dominant mother and um, two sisters in between me, so to speak. So yeah, that's all we did really, sort of uh, gossip and you didn't re reputation have a destruction. <laughs> yeah, it's manipulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we use the power of our well, wits. Yeah. That's how. <laughs> that's how and, we get by. Um, yeah, and and do you know? But yeah, I mean, that's 
go ahead. No, I'm not, you know, I was going to say that sort of social media kind of celebrates this and, and, and sort of, uh, what's the word raises the profile of, of, of these activities because, because it is drama and it is quite to a certain extent, um, entertaining, you know, particularly when you're it not, is. particularly when you're not in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. We are attracted to this drama. It's like, are we really that bored to be, um, attracted to chaos and negativity i don't know maybe that's well maybe our brains are wired for that too you know the reptilian brain we anything negative we like to focus on yeah yeah i mean it's self-preservation at the end of the day you know we sort of look at these things so that we know how to deal with it or how to avoid it if these situations um you know come to us directly <laughs> you know if it involves us and and um but yeah, um... <laughs> I, what's interesting is I went and I, I didn't, I didn't actually focus on that for the last, you know, decade or so. It was kind of more recent when I realized it was a big problem, um, especially in the medical field. Um, and maybe it is in private practice or in the community, but I, I find it is a lot in the academics and um, I went to this women's retreat and that was my first time going to this women's retreat. And, uh, it why'd was all go? about why, why did you lifting go? each was... other. Well, it, I thought it was a, I thought it was a business. Uh, I thought it was a business coaching retreat. It was all women. It was for women and to learn about, you know, business and coaching. And, um, and it turned out it was all about, loving one another and, uh, supporting one another and speaking, you know, so highly of one another and giving each other compliments. And, and so it took me for a loop, but uh, man, so tired. I hadn't had a day off in like eight, eight weeks before I went to this retreat. And I felt so good afterward at like just doing two days of just loving each other up it was like holy moly this feels great and I felt so inspired and so wonderful so energized um, I didn't feel tired anymore even though I had traveled a whole bunch and was working you know like a dog just uh so exhausted and then and I just came out of this like all like woo glowing uh type of community um so, yeah. I mean, is it because, I mean, is being honored by another woman sort of a different feeling to being honored by, you know, uh, your partner or your husband or, you know, your siblings? Is there a difference? Yeah, it, de it definitely feels different. It feels like a sisterhood. Um, it's, it's, it's totally a different sort of love. And it's like, I think... I don't know, maybe that's what's missing in, in our lives and women's lives, or maybe I, that's what's missing in my life is that I really hadn't had that, um, with a whole bunch of women, you know, maybe, you know, you have your close friend, friends, but a, a group of women just really taking care of one another versus like, are you afraid they're going to gossip behind your back? Are you afraid they're gonna, you know, not take care of you or you know be a bad friend and it there was no worries it was just like a very strong you know sisterhood 
where we were together in this, together in our faults, our mistakes, our regrets, our traumas, our emotional pain, and you know we were going to get through it together. Um, and that that made the day. That's made the difference. And so, and 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 did that sort of um, change you, sort of in terms of clinical practice when you um, when you went back into work? Yes. Yes, um, I would say, well, the biggest thing that changed me was um, what's weird is before I went, I was having asthma attacks. Like I felt this tightness right here in my chest out of nowhere. I mean, usually I just have asthma attacks to cats and uh, horses. And so, but this time I was having asthma attacks to uh, nothing. Like I would just get an asthma attack out of nowhere, just randomly. And this was starting to occur, you know, started every month then almost every week, then, you know, every couple of days. And, um, that's so strange for me. And I knew it was something more spiritual or something more emotional. And before I went to this retreat, I always kept thinking like, something's like feeling like, a something's crumpling on my chest, like a, an, a glass orb, just like condensing in my chest. And when I, um, when we were doing meditations together with the women, um, at this retreat, it just shattered and opened up and I didn't have an asthma attack after that at all. And it was so amazing. And so um, when I look at my patients now, which are mostly women, a lot of women and a lot of teenagers, female teenagers. And um, I, I just know, I, I just know they feel alone. I mean, it's so hard you know, trying to be yourself in a world that wants you to be validated by what other people think of you. And so it's so hard for these teens, especially, and young women to, you know, be their authentic self, be their true self, express who they are in this current society, um, because different is tough. Different is very tough. And I think that's what leads them to a lot of uh, chronic pain and headaches because then they start wondering, well, am I weird? Am I different? Am I, I, I shouldn't like myself because uh, maybe other people wouldn't like me. Um, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough of other people's love. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of pain comes in is that disconnect from who they are and not expressing who they are and starting to not like who they are because of what society, what other people think of them um, and try, you know, always trying to get validation from others. So I think it's more emotional, spiritual um, compared to a little bit of biologic, but yeah. And that's hard to work as work with as a physician in a clinical practice. I mean, how do you introduce these these um, you know concepts of of spiritual sisterhood, you know, in these in this clinical context? Well, only it sometimes it it depends on the patient, um, obviously, um, depending upon if they're open to it, and so taking cues from them to you start talking more about spirituality, and oftentimes it comes out when. Um, I start doing my clinical hypnosis, clinical hypnosis. Is that right? Yeah. 
So it comes out more when I'm doing my clinical hypnosis for a lot of my patients in pain. And, and then I can start introducing those concepts because it's kind of like a segue into spirituality and, and, you know, learning about that person's spirit and their higher self, their authorizing where they've strayed from their path. Could you, um, and so it, it is a little bit more difficult to do it in clinical. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our internet is not great. So we're, we're, we're sort uh, yeah. of cutting up a bit, but, um, <laughs> I mean, how could you tell us how you sort of do this clinical hypnosis? I'm quite interested. And, you know, can you share sort of like a typical yeah. process? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's not hypnotizing someone using that pendulum swing and making them cluck like a chicken. It's that is, um, this is, totally um, clinical hypnosis is using your creative visualization or imagination with a goal in mind um so one of the best ways to think about about it athletes right before their competition they're um they're like moving around right before their competition closing their eyes and they're visualizing their Their competition and and you know making sure it's completely perfect and then at the end they're winning the competition and that's their goal prime they set the intention that they're going to win that competition they believe it with their very spiritual bones that they are going to win Um, because clinical hypnosis is that with that visual intention, it actually manifests into reality. And, and so how you do it for chronic health conditions is basically the same way using different techniques in that you can sit, be relaxed, but you're using your imagination, finding what that headache pain looks like. It can look like a black sticky substance to them. It can look like red fire. And then they can pull it out of their body using some kind of magical force if it's a child. And they can pull it out, put it into a little treasure box or into a container and chuck it across the universe. And and then in our physical bodies, so that's the imagination in our physical bodies, it's actually starting to decrease the pain. So that's how our brain, our nervous system responds. It's like, wow, we're actually getting rid of this head pain by just through that visualization and intention and the headache pain starts decreasing and it actually happens instantly. And and how successful is this in your experience? Pretty successful. It It's... um. <laughs> I, I did not think it was going to work. Um, when I first got certified and I was like, oh, no, one's going to be using this. Everyone hates meditation, but it's, it's such a easier form. Like people who can't meditate should definitely do hypnosis because it's so much easier. It's so much more fun. Um, and I started off in clinic. So face-to-face -face, in person, and I found 
it like totally stunk. Like it didn't work in clinic, even though that's what my institute, the National Pediatric Hypnosis Training Institute, that's what they taught us to do it in person. But the everyone was so tense and stressed in the clinic and in the hospital that they couldn't relax. They couldn't like feel comfortable doing the clinical hypnosis. So then I started doing online. So telehealth or online or Zoom sessions and, and it worked. It's because they were more comfortable. They were more comfortable doing it at home. They felt more relaxed and they were kind of in their element. And so it was a whole lot easier for them. So now I mostly do um, telehealth or online, you know, clinical hypnosis. And and, and do, you, do you have a script or is it quite intuitive for you? You know, the whole process for you? Intuitive. Yeah. I use more intuitive healing. Um, I, as um, a physician, the reason why I started Health is Power is because well, the first year of medical school I had, I got a whole bunch of, I was eating crap. I mean, just crap. And then... Uh, like frosted flakes for, you know, dinner. And so, so then I, and then I had all these immunizations that I didn't need because I, you know, I guess, I don't know, Persian families, who knows, we don't get these certain viral illnesses, who knows, but anyway, and then I got mono. So it was like, bam, this like triple storm that just about killed me. And I developed a severe autoimmune disease where it left me, um, like it bedridden for 18 hours a day. So it tore up all my um, endocrine glands. And so I medicine, conventional medicine can only get me so far. <clears throat> and so I went and sought, you know, I went and got board certified in integrative medicine, um, looked at changing diet, nutritional supplements, IV vitamin C, acupuncture, you know, all of that therapy, psychoanalysis. And I got about 30 to 40% better, but it wasn't until I truly, like broke down, had a mental breakdown and just surrendered to God and was like, I need help. I cannot live like this. I want to heal. Um, please, I'll do anything. And the next day, this spiritual mentor that I heard about, um, he was a spiritual healer, intuitive healer, medical intuitive. Um, and he, he was so busy uh, no one could get into him. And uh, no, I mean, and, and so it was, so difficult. He had no openings. And then it that next day after I prayed to God, he had a cancellation. So he opened up. And so I started working with him. And that's when we started connecting to, to my spirit and releasing what no longer served me, releasing all that emotional pain, cleaning up, you know, my, my spiritual body, negative emotions, negative energy stuck in my body. Um, past lives, you know, ancestral trauma, all of that. And that's really what led me to do more intuitive healing, because that's really what got me 100% better. Um, I think it was the spiritual um, intuitive healing aspect. It's the spiritual foundations that really truly helped me. So I, um, that's why I built, you know, health is power, because it's a little bit more difficult to bring some of these concepts into clinical medicine. And I did try, you know, but of course there were so many roadblocks, insurance and the industry loves to, you can only do so much in medicine. It's not a complete medicine. It's not, it's, it's great medicine. It's just not a complete medicine. And so that's why I bring these concepts into health is power 
as part of my, you know, group coaching programs for women with chronic pain and autoimmune disease, and also doing um, intuitive healing sessions and then um, hypnotherapy. So, um, so that's where I try and help people who otherwise can't be helped with the conventional medical piece. What did you say uh, to God to sort of get that opening? What was what happened? I honestly, it was like, I don't know what to do. I can't do this on my own. Um, I, I, I need your help. And I totally, it was like a surrender. It was a total surrender, uh, um, to him. And, uh, I don't think I had done and, and, you know, God is stronger and God can, God is limitless. And, and that's what I just sort of stopped, stopped, um, the control. I stopped trying to control everything and surrendered to his, uh, um, um, path, his, um, kind of, meaning and purpose for me like it's basically my, my all this pain turned into my true purpose which I wasn't really following and then I think when I finally surrendered I got onto my true spiritual path and that was what I'm doing now um which I was so scared you know I just kept fighting I kept fighting God I think I was like no I have to be this doctor you know I have to achieve you know I have to um, help patients in this way. And I, I think I was too scared to, you know, build this business and, and work with people in a different way than what we were taught in medical school or residency. So that's how. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's really difficult to surrender in that profession because, um, it shows uncertainty and, you know, we've been made to be certain a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, which we're not like, and that's the thing too about medicine is, holy moly, there's so much, I don't know, I feel like I don't know anything as a doctor, I don't, I mean, there's so much research that I haven't read, I don't think we know everything, and so we have to be careful, abdicating our power to all the doctors, because I, I just don't think we all know, I mean, we don't know everything. For sure, I mean, I don't know anything, I mean, you know, that's the thing that I've, yeah, pretty much. You know, the more I kind of listen, the more I realize, yep, I'm going backwards. Actually, That's stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting stupid. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But you know, I mean, most of the patients are quite relieved <laughs> when you tell them, "Well, I don't know what's going on, but it's definitely not C." You know, the C word, or you know, the really serious yeah. things, or you know, whatever fears they have inside of them. I say, well, you know, the fear that you have, it's, it's, I'm 99%. It's not that, you know, sure. It's not that. And most of them are pretty happy about that or at least satisfied that, you know, they've seen someone else and, and, and they've been given a different opinion about, about what it's not. Uh, but obviously there are some who get really, really angry and frustrated and, and just not happy that you don't know what's oh, going yeah, on. That, and That we're and, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely absolutely 
<laughs> but you know, they end up seeing some obscure professor of an obscure condition. And they call it what it is. And look, I'm not knocking that. You know, I'm sure that's what they have. And, you know, I'm certainly not a professor. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not an academic for sure, because I find it very difficult to work within big institutions. I feel that it, it I mean, it definitely drained me um, as a as an individual. I mean, I can understand being within the institution because it's quite, you know, it's quite safe. And, you know, you're in this um, hierarchy and you're probably quite, a, you know, quite well at the top of the hierarchy and you know that's understandable because it because it does regulate your um, negative emotion you know the the, the higher, higher up you are on the hierarchy you know the less likely you are to have these you know negative meltdowns um <laughs> well i don't know because i was in the academic institution and i had plenty of negative meltdowns <laughs> right yeah <laughs> so i mean I mean, it's quite interesting because, you know, you've sort of gone around full circle. I mean, you keep mentioning spirituality and God, and yet you were still within the kind of academic hierarchy, you know. Um, you know, how does that work? Because it, it's kind of two different poles in the same, in the same sphere or in the same uh, position. Well, so what's interesting about working with pain and like chronic conditions is, I mean, it it's kind of um, under the radar a little bit where I can kind of introduce a lot of these integrative concepts for individuals because nothing else works. And there's not, I mean, especially for pediatric pain, um, there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing like 99, 9% percent, 99.9% of things we do is off label. And so it's like, I can kind of do these things under the radar a little bit um, and introduce like the emotional um, pain concepts and how emotions manifest in um, chronic pain if we internalize them and don't work through them. And so, but I can also kind of introduce that spirituality component because it's all about believing in yourself um, and kind of like I did walk on your own spiritual path, your own purpose. And so take, for example, um, one of my recent cases had a, a kid who had severe, severe light sensitivity from migraine, like couldn't go outside, couldn't, he had to wear um, dark goggles without any light coming in, had to put towels under the door in his room for any light from the hallway coming in. And um, we worked doing um, some intuitive healing and some hypnosis at the clinic. Um, and uh, it wasn't really until these um, clients and my patients and these individuals dealing with chronic health issues finally believe in themselves that they can truly heal and they can overcome this and it's going to be okay. And so, I, I mean, I worked with this person for several sessions and, and he, I mean, it would slowly get a little bit better. Like um, he, he could start going outside at earlier times when the sun was out but just not quite, you know, cured of his light sensitivity. And then all of a sudden, it was literally when we got through that emotional, spiritual breakthrough of how there was so much anxiety of what would happen, that fear of what would happen if 
um, he went out into the light. And so it wasn't really until he came face to face with himself, himself as that fear-based person that he was, he finally overcame that. He finally believed like, Hey, I don't need this anymore. I don't need this fear. I don't need this fear to hold me back and to limit me anymore. I can finally become who I am. I don't need this light sensitivity to limit me anymore and become who I am and follow my purpose. And so, and, and then it was like night and day, it literally like transformed. He literally transformed overnight. It was like in an instant when he finally believed that he could and that he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What, what got you into medicine in the first place? I mean, I know that, you know, you had this um, thing about interested in biology, but you know, biology I mean, my dad was a zoologist. I mean, he still is. You know, he's a he's a marine biologist, and the the reason why he went into it is because yes. he, he couldn't get into medicine. You know, being Iraqi, you know, you're sort of judged by, you know, if you get into medicine, you've won. If if you haven't got into medicine, you know, it's either engineering or you're a loser, um, or you have lots of money. If you have lots of money, they'll let you off. You know, they'll let you off the hook. But you're still a loser, you know. Yeah, I think that's the same with Persians. Really? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's either you... engineer or medicine. Yeah. <laughs> I had to choose. <laughs> yeah. Either way, you know. Either way, if you don't get into them, you're a loser. But if you have a few million dollars or a few billion dollars, you know, it's okay. We'll let you off the hook. Uh, but no, actually I'm like your dad. I, I didn't, uh, not that I didn't get into medical school, but I wanted to be a wildlife biologist. So my, my main degree was a wildlife biology. I wanted to be out in the field, in the mountains, uh, tr- you know, tracking rabbits and, you know, conservation and taking care of all the animals. And I still do my, my ultimate dream is having a wildlife refuge, but there weren't any jobs like None. And the only thing that I could do was like, hey, you know, Anna, you need to go and study and become a professor and then teach. And I was like, heck no, like, I do not want to become a professor, which is so stupid because I'm an associate professor now. And so I don't know what the heck I was thinking back then. But um, but so no jobs. And I was like, okay, well, I got a job at this uh, children's hospital in Denver doing some epidemiology work. And I kind of liked working with people. And I was like, wow, I really like connecting. And then I got a research coordinator job and worked more with um, patients. And I, I loved connecting with them. And there was some kind of magic, I think, there that I didn't understand understand at the time. And I, I just loved the magic was like just deep healing. And it was just that connection with another human. Um, there was that spark there. And so then I applied to med school and I got in, um, um, because I was, I was published and I think I did well on my MCAT score. So I think that's probably how I got in. Otherwise, yeah, I'm not I mean, like the Persian brain person or anything, but yeah, the, the Persian brain is a very clever brain for sure. Yeah, my Persian genetics get me one up for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, uh, oh, and then one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to also consider medical school was I got, I almost died um, when I was a teenager. So I had um, peritonitis from those um, 
um, those juices that you you bought those like natural juices and, and it had apple juice in it. And I guess the apples fell on cow manure and they uh -huh. didn't pasteurize them at the time. And so I got E. coli poisoning. I got appendicitis, but it was missed. So none of the doctors got it. And so it was missed. And I was like, I just lived with the pain for like three months. And like, I like lost a whole bunch of weight. And then I got, I went into shock. And so, um, so anyway, I had super bad peritonitis, which is super bad infection of your like belly. So like a big abscess inside my intestines and stuff like that. And so I was like, super. I mean, septic. that should have put you off medicine, not, and, not, not attracted to, to I, <laughs> no, but then I was like, shit, I could do a better job. Uh, <laughs> I said, shoot, I better do this. <laughs> these so, doctors are, uh, so yeah. are a disaster. These doctors, they don't I know what I they're better, doing. And then I'm like, I become one of those doctors, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, that's that that was kind of what got me on it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, medicine is really, I mean, there's so many great things about the medicine that we learn. And but it's not, I just, man, there's like, it's just a part of medicine. And then we think we're all this like great, we're the greatest medicine in the entire world. And yeah, we're good, but it's just like it's not the only medicine. And that's the that's the part I don't like about it is that we're missing the integrative side. We're missing um the um spiritual side. We're missing the emotional component. And so we you can't get your entire medical or healthcare or your healing from the conventional medical system. It, you just can't. It's impossible, especially for chronic health conditions, at least from my experience with both chronic pain and autoimmune disease. And so that's where that's why I went and got extra certifications and, and credentialing and, and training in all these other therapies and modalities to have more of a complete medicine. And I would just love the conventional medical system to really collaborate and bring these other modalities in to have more of a holistic, complete medicine to really, really take care of these patients. I mean, man, we could really heal a lot of people, but unfortunately that's, that's not the way it's, it's looking right now. Yeah, I mean, it's probably going the other way, you know, with the current situation. Um, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it's become politicized now, medicine, whereas before it wasn't. You know, now you hold, you know, you have the whole politic mess uh, within medicine, and it's been weaponized as well. Our our profession's been weaponized. Um, so, um, exactly. Yeah, and. Unfortunately, I mean, we're all going to suffer the patient and, and the physician, um, the holistic physician and the traditional mechanistic uh, physician. Um, well, I mean, that's that's the reason why I also quit the hospital is because I was trying for especially because I work a lot of pe with people with chronic health conditions and I wanted to bring in, you know, more of these modalities like it's um have you if you've heard of osteopathic musculoskeletal medicine it's just you know how do's it's just a different type of physician as a do learns you know gentle manipulation of the biomechanics and the muscles and the skeletal system and it's 80 percent of people with pain truly need that and and it's been well studied and i brought that to my leadership and they said 
it, it, I would kill people. It's too dangerous. And I even showed them the safety data. I said, there's nobody been killed by this type of medicine. And so, um, but they shut it down and it, and they also, I think behind the reason is because um, insurance doesn't pay that much for it. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, that's the bottom line, unfortunately. And, 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 you know, it is about monetary uh, profiteering uh, to a certain extent. Um and, you know, with the current uh, social media and, you know, all these kind of, you know, artificial realities virtually, you know, that's what's um, celebrated uh, on a continuous basis. So, um, you know, maybe that's the reason why younger physicians are not, you know, taking up the profession because they can make X amount of money making TikTok videos about about their pet you know pet hamsters doing somersaults you know i mean i don't know but but you know the problem's not going to go away i mean on a serious note you know the problem's not going to go away you know yeah. you know we're all going to have all kinds of um horrendous pathologies and, and diseases um but unfortunately you'll just be given a pill according to you know who pays the best amount of money for both the pharmaceuticals and for the uh, physicians in leadership. Um, so we have, so to speak, sold our souls to the, uh, you know, to the to the big bucks conglomerate. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, you know, I'm sounding like no, a, that, a monologue here. <laughs> no, no, that's it. That's uh, that's. I felt like I was selling my soul, and that's. I was like, I, I actually, I said that to my husband because uh, we don't have an income, you know, now. But uh, I was like, I just can't i mean i mean spiritually speaking i was like i feel like i'm selling my soul and i feel like I mean, you've been... paid the you know you've paid the price a lot with your health you know because yes, that's a reflection exactly. of your health you know, there's is. only it... so much chronic pain you can you know you can it heal was. from it, it was a message the the chronic pain it was like you need to stop you need to get on another path and i was fighting it and fighting it and then it was like oh God. Yeah. Okay. I I'm listening and I'm, I'm going to quit. And it's like, but I won't have any money. And it's like, God's like, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, okay, we'll see. <laughs> so, so that's where I am. So where, where's this interest about having, you know, sort of um, nature welfare um, retreats and, and, you know, what's the, what's the story behind that? The animals, animals and, and all that, the wildlife. Yeah. Um Gosh, I am so connected. I, you know, I guess to be honest, that's how God has always spoken to me through, uh, through nature and wildlife. Um, I just get the messages, um, always just spiritually from them. Like, um, for example, um, it was okay. Yeah. Here's an example. Um, this is a weird example. Um, everyone's going to be like, oh God, we're never going <laughs> to we're not going to listen to this lady ever again. But um, so my first job was at um, an academic medical center. It was an adult. I took care of adults doing acupuncture and integrative and functional medicine. And then um, I, I was, I was feeling weird. I was feeling depressed. And, and then on my birthday, I walked out of the clinic and went to my car in the parking lot at the hospital and a bat was sleeping on my car. And I was like, what the heck? And I was like, I knew this was a message. How can a bat 
in a hospital parking lot, be sleeping right on your car at the time you're going through this, you know, breakdown. And so I went and looked um, and I was like, what's the meaning of a bat? And it's about changing um, and transforming yourself into this new path. And even though it's scary, you need to rebirth yourself and move on to your next step. And, and it's going to be hard, but this is totally necessary for your, um, spiritual being for your spiritual health. And so I quit that job because what of happened that, to the bat? Right? Did you, did the you bat. sort of sh- shoot well, it away I, or I did you try to shoot it? <laughs> I did have to shoot it away. And then, and then look annoyed. Did, did, what, was it, was it annoyed? Was it? No, happy? it just, it just, it was in the middle of the day. And, yeah. uh, and it just left. I don't about know. Having a siesta on your. About on your roof. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But get this, get this. So, um, then I'm here at my other academic medical center I'm working at. This was just, um, two months ago. And, uh, and then I'm struggling, like I'm fighting with God, like, no, I can't quit because I need the money. What am I going to do? I have no finances. Like, I don't even have a job after this, blah, blah, blah. And then I wake up in the morning and I go outside my door and a bat is hanging out outside my door. And I'm like, damn it, God. And so then I'm like, okay. So then that was the weekend. And then I submitted my you know, resignation letter on Monday, because I just know, I mean, it's just God telling me through these, the nature messages or animal signals. That's crazy. I know everyone thinks this is the craziest thing that I could do, but that's I'm going to give you a messages. nickname now. I'm going to give you a nickname. Anna, Anna Batwoman. Yes, I don't. So yeah, the bats mean I have to quit my job. And so wow. that's the signal. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're fascinating. Uh, I read this um, horrible statistic recently that um, something like uh, uh, two million bats have died because of uh, wind turbines um, being being erected. Yeah, we're just killing all the animals. We're killing them all. I mean, they're dying. For all this thing called net zero and sort of absolute, you know, cosmos. Yes. um, Yeah, it's all BS yeah yeah don't get me on the climate change stuff but yeah well look you know (laughs) uh, you know a rise in co2 in the environment is an issue for all of us for sure um but it doesn't mean that um you know wind and and solar is the only way of uh uh, tree you know dealing with it um i think innovation is is the most important thing and and just having a proper dialogue rather than this authoritarian coercion of of policy um it just doesn't work and um you know it's like you know you you have a patient you say well actually i've only got this drug for you and off you go i mean you know what what happens to that patient you know whereas if you show them different possibilities and um different potentials um it just sparks something different in your head doesn't it it just gets you thinking um and you know if you think long enough, then you have these altered states of consciousness and then you go into this, you know, the weird realm of of spirituality. Um, I mean, I was on your podcast and I probably spoke a lot of 
drivel and I was just I, I couldn't make sense because I mean it is a kind of you know you can't really um describe it explicitly it's more of a participation experience rather than a you know uh, an academic proposition yeah yeah it's a feeling yeah we can't yeah. study that very well yeah I mean you know we can describe it to a certain extent but but really you have to experience it and I think I think the message is is you've got to go out there and experience you know different forms of experiences and um you know back in the day I think physicians used to be experts in all sorts of things you know whether it's philosophy whether it's religion theology poetry literature and and we've you know we've lost that kind of sense of education you know oh yeah you know, oh complete yeah education the education yeah i don't know it stinks i mean for me i mean sorry i'm, I'm talking about myself here you know i mean yeah you know, when when I ended up just being a cataract surgeon technician, it was it was horrible because all I was doing was taking out cataracts, and I thought to myself, oh, you know, although the act is beneficial for the patient and it transforms their lives um, exponentially, but I was just kind of, you know, as you said, spiritually dead. You know, yeah, soul sucking boredom. And you know, it's not something that I'm super passionate about, and to a certain extent, not so you know good at in the sense that I have to really struggle to do a good job whereas in certain areas I don't have to struggle and I'm still doing a good job um what's your passion now I mean what's passion, your biggest my passion now is actually having dialogues just yeah with, you know interesting people and, and just learning from them and with the bat you know absolutely absolutely for sure and no i mean you know speaking to patients and just learning from them and just having a dialogue um i've extended it into the podcast because you know then you can have you know a nice chat and learn about other people's work you know for your own educational benefit and i think you know education is um and 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 just dialogue you know i i, I find dialogue really really stimulating um, yeah and we don't, we're not, we're not doing that as, as much. Everyone's so busy. We're so disconnected. We're dialoguing on Facebook versus, you know, face to face. Yeah. It's yeah, it's changed for sure. And I think we do need that connection and, and that collaboration and that community. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I agree. I feel that too. And, uh, you know, we've, we've gone back to politics now. I mean, even political groups are not having dialogues whereas before, you know politics in the 60s and 70s you know there was a respect for each uh for each head of political groups you know there was one group honoring the other and you know um just respecting the other uh the other point of view and that's just gone out the window now you know there is no dialogue between uh opposites and you know it's become more polarized and and um you know there's no utility in that you know because Problems will always arise, new problems. And, you know, we can't solve it with the same old thinking and, you know, yeah. the same old... It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, it, 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 yeah, uh, that polarization, it doesn't work. Again, that the collaboration, the connection, the community works. The synergy. <clears throat> the synergy and, you know, there. we saw that with the sort of between the vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers. Oh, know, yeah. It, it, was, it was such a massive um, destruction of, of society. 
Oh yeah, it totally polarized us, pitted us against one another, this mass psychosis. Yeah, it was like it was like back to Hitler times. Yeah, yeah. And 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 um but you know, um I think there is a willingness to have a dialogue and there is a willingness to 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 admit that we don't know the answers and and you know we can sit together and bang our heads together and you know trying to come with some kind of uh, mutual benefit and you know that's why i do these podcasts just sort of see what's happening the other side of the pond i mean you know the internet hasn't been great today but you know it's still worth the effort and <laughs> you know um we we plug in our we plug in our uh, modem our because the rural internet doesn't work at all so we have to ah. we have to plug it in to the to the thing Absolutely. I, I think, you know, talking about plugging in, I, you know, being physicians and, uh, you know, healthcare providers, we, we, we need to plug into all, all sources of, of knowledge and, and wisdom. Yeah, you know, I agree. You know, and one shouldn't shy away from the absurd and, you know, the unintelligible uh, and because um, I think, you know, there is some uh, scope for, um, for benefit. Um, so, T tell us about your podcast. Uh, yes. Yeah, so health is power. Um, the women audience who want to heal themselves from all kinds of um, health conditions, emotional pain, um, and empower themselves to heal. Um, really, I've just been really trying to promote that you can heal yourself. Um, you truly can. Um, and sometimes we have to use some unconventional methods, but, um, and we kind of have to put ourselves on our top priority list, but, um, and the reason why I had a women audience is because again, just that, that sisterhood and, and kind of trying to uplift each other instead of tear each other down as well as a lot of women's issues, I mean, kind of went underrepresented in medicine, especially with the original research where it was so tough to research women because of, you know, our hormones and our menstrual cycles, they, they kind of wanted to, you know, get that out of the picture. And so, you know, that's why I really built health is power is, you know, health is number one. I mean, without it, we don't have much and, and women's health is a top priority. And I, I wanted to put that education out there just like you do. Um, and, and all these, um, you know, medical modalities that are not, you know, given, you know, the time of day and, in, in our, you know, regular clinics. So yeah, health is powers podcast. And you can find me at healthispower.com. We just got a beautiful new website um, where you can find all our services. And um, we're over on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, and I'm doing some free calls right now too, if you want to learn more about our services. Um, so you can just find that on the website as well. But yeah, thanks for having me. I love being on the podcast. Love, love talking about all kinds of things. For sure. For sure. I mean, I love to finish on, on, on this question. Um, what would you say to the, um, 18 year old Anna or the 16 year old Anna um what would you advise her what what would your three top ad, uh, advices be to her uh having experienced what you've experienced over the last um you know um I think five years or something like that uh what would you say to her yeah I would say 
biggest thing I would say is quit listening and doing what everyone else wants you to do. Um, stop trying to impress everyone else because it just tore away my soul. And, um, and I felt like that was one of the biggest reasons I got sick. And I feel everything comes from my inner reality and my inner self, my higher self. And when that feels good and, and right, then everything else kind of falls into place. And so I just, I wish I learned that back then. It took me 25, 30 years to learn that. So I wish I knew that back then. I didn't hear you. Um, I didn't. I didn't hear what you just oh, said there. Yes. Oh, yeah. it it fell out. It uh, the internet. Um. So <laughs> it's okay. This is a very powerful message. I'll say it again. Um. I would say I don't determine your worth by what other people think of you. Try not to. Um. Definitely don't impress other people. Beside yourself. Um. Do do you? Um. I felt that. Every time I listened to someone else and abdicated my power to someone else, I really got messed up. I got sick or I was on the wrong path or, you know, I was exhausted. And so I feel like my inner reality when I'm healthy, when I'm strong and who I am, everything else comes into place. My reality outside of myself just falls into its natural order. And so I think, again, that that is my purpose that's the first one and the that's other two that's what i would say did you that's the a, other two. oh the other two um the other two i would probably say oh have fun um make sure i make time to play cuz that's a big part of who i am and i when when we become doctors we're constantly studying and working and forget about the play part and i just again lose sight of myself and so i have to incorporate play um and then um, the other one is rest. I did not rest. Um, I had to rest and I have to, cause I have to reflect. I have to decompress. Like I, I like <clears throat> internalize a lot of emotions throughout the day, especially when taking care of patients. And I had to learn, I need to decompress. I need to release what doesn't serve me. What's not my emotions or release the emotions that are causing some turmoil in me. And I, I have to do that every day. Um, and so I wish I learned that back then instead of carrying it around with me every day, causing illness. Awesome. Awesome. Anna. It, it's been a great pleasure and um, looking forward to staying in touch and doing some more work together. Yeah. And don't forget to catch um, Hyder's podcast um coming out <laughs> yeah 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 for sure for you'll sure. see that on our podcast for sure absolutely thank you anna